Welcome back to another episode of Cluster Fudge. I'm joined once again with Alex. Hello, Thank you hello. for coming back again, Alex. Thank you for having me, Alan. And uh, we've got quite a few things to discuss today. Mm-hmm. What do we got? Well, I was uh, I was coming home from work this morning. I had a had a funny show. I'm going to reminisce with you, going down memory lane a little bit here. Um, you're driving along and on the highway, and I see a turtle, and a turtle's crossing the highway, and I'm like, this isn't going to be good. So I swerve a little, get out of its way, and then, of course, instinctively, what do you do when you swerve out of the way? You you turn the wheel? Well, you turn the wheel, but <laughs> after that, instinctively, you, you check... You swerve back? You, check, you swerve back, but then you check the rearview mirror, right? Okay. Why, why you do that, I don't know, just to make sure the little guy's okay. Why mm-hmm. did I do that? Because I look behind me, and there's a car behind me, and of course he doesn't see the turtle. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So the, the the turtle passed this morning. Oh. Mo- a moment of silence. Okay, we're good. Okay. So it took me back to the time, and see if you remember years ago, because we've known each other 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're coming back from a hockey game. Uh, I think Rich oh, was yes. with us. I remember this. And I was in shotgun. You were driving, and mm-hmm. there was a there was a cat or. Or something, it was, right? So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a cat. We were on a pretty busy stretch of road. It was like a, a f- like five lanes wide, I think, coming back from the sawgrass. And uh, and uh, what, what do you call it? it was, uh, we see a, a cat sprinting across the road. Mm-hmm. And I think it missed like a few cars. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I think the car right in front of us hit it. Mm-hmm. And it just like flew (laughs) from the the rear wheel, just spun it into the air. And we see it like spinning, coming (laughs) right at us. And then it doesn't hit us in the windshield because we almost thought it was, right? Mm -hmm. And then it just just came underneath the car. You could feel the thumps of of (laughs) random parts was very gruesome. I apologize for all you cat lovers out there. We we were we were talking in the car, the four of us, and we were all like listening to music and talking, and then we we're like, "Oh no!" And then it was just like dead silence mm-hmm. for a moment. <laughs> yeah. And I remember saying, breaking the silence, and be like, "Should we go back to see if it's okay?" You were like, "No, <laughs> no, keep going." <laughs> yeah. No, it was not okay. <laughs> it was not okay. No. We, we... But at least its end was was swift. It was, quick. it was a swift ending. Yes. Oh goodness. But uh, but but yeah. We we reminisce on that. Mm-hmm. All all uh, sadness to all roadkill animals out there that don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you had told me uh, before that you had recently checked out Islands Adventure and Volcano Bay. Right. So, as a Universal employee, I was allowed to preview, be amongst the first to see what it would be like to go to Universal Studios after they reopen. Mm-hmm. And so me and other people that work there got to go as guests. And of course, people that work there were also working there. Uh, so it was literally just a bunch of employees working with other employees, which was in of itself was already a nice experience. Because when you're in these theme parks with guests, there's a lot of different levels of enjoyment. Some people mm. are just avid fans and can accept the bumps in the road. And some people are just angry that they're not getting their money's worth they're <laughs> angry about the heat the, yeah. the wait times yeah. the that their children are driving them crazy or if they don't have children they're still just agitated it's it's a lot of angst that you're usually surrounded by and this did not have that it was a bunch of employees that were happy that things were getting back to normal mm. and um you know a bunch of people that are in the service industry 
that were happy to be of service. And it was just an all-around good experience. Having said that, there are a list of differences in today's theme park world than a pre-COVID-19 world. Mm -hmm. And I can go through them if you like. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm interested. So first things first, uh, masks are required uh, at Universal. For everyone. For everyone. So Mm -hmm. not only if you're on the clock, but if you are a guest, you have to be wearing a mask. And that means basically as soon as you're leaving your car, you need to don your mask and then you go up to uh, this uh, first security line, which is strictly for temperature checks. So everyone is getting their temperatures checked. If you are above 100.3 degrees, you will not be allowed to go in to City Walk and henceforth the, the theme parks as well. Okay. Um, so that's the cutoff point. 103, 100.3, did I say? Yeah, 100.3. 100.3 and 100.4. So 100.4 is a no. Right. 100.3 is a yes. Right. The clinical and, definition. And fever. apparently if they get um, a higher reading off of you, you do get an opportunity to stand off to the side and, and wait 10 minutes and Maybe Put some ice cubes on your forehead. I don't know. Because yeah. <laughs> there is a possibility that the, the instrument's wrong right. or maybe you're running hot for whatever reason. But they don't want anyone with fevers going in there. And I think that's a good responsible procedure. And outside of that, uh, yeah, you're wearing a mask through the duration of the day. Oh, and also all queue lines are, um, they have, they have uh, tape on the ground. So, for distancing. Right. right. So it says on the strip of tape, please stand here to maintain social distancing of at least six feet from the next person near you. Mm-hmm. And so everyone in your party, you know, you might have a group of five or six. They all need to stand in the vicinity of that line. And if it's something that would necessitate groups of that size, then they have even further distancing. So you might be as much as 12 feet away from the next person in front of you because that group is obviously going to spill over in both ways right? between the, the strips of tape. Right. Uh, so Islands of Adventure, I got to ride uh, the Hagrid's motorbike for the first time. Okay. Which is normally... Is yeah, it opened a couple of years ago. Uh, or maybe a full year ago. But in any case, it's been a three-hour wait Oh my god! Very often, wow. this I waited like maybe ten minutes, ten or fifteen minutes. To wow, get that's on. great! So uh, that was pretty cool. It's as far as the actual ride was pretty awesome. It, you sit on a a motorcycle with a sidecar. If you're not familiar with Harry Potter, that's what Hagrid rides around in, and so you can have a motorcycle driver and whomever is with you in the sidecar, and each car. It, you know, on a on a roller coaster track, each car in that train is one sidecar, one motorcycle. Right. So you have a pair of people always in the same motorcycle. Um, very interesting ride. It's similar to Mount Everest, uh, Expedition Everest at uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. where there's a it's all outdoors. There's all you're surrounded by rocky terrain. There are moments when you're going backwards. There are moments when you're going through indoor locations that are in sets with animatronics and and whatever effects going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it's it uses you know modern day technology where it zips you along with the magnetic repulsors mm-hmm. in the track, and you you 
you get some crazy speeds going forward. You get some pretty impressive speeds going backwards. There's a portion where you f- basically fall through the track and go on another track. It's 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 oh, really wow. impressive. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Do you have to wear a mask when you're on the ride? You do have to wear a mask on the ride. However, at one point it got so fast, my mask got pulled down under my chin. Right. That's what I was saying. Like, yeah. you know, with all the speed and everything, it doesn't. And plus, you're already distanced from the other car. It doesn't make sense to wear the mask. Well, I mean, it's it's debatable, right? We don't know all that much about the virus. But, I mean, at such speeds, you know, any sort of bodily yeah. fluid can be transmitted in front and back. Sure. Pretty quickly. So I don't know. I I, I do think it's a good idea to have it on because that kind of wind is going to blow stuff to the far back of the train, you know? Right. So I intended to keep mine on. It just blew down and I couldn't help it. Most Mm -hmm. other people on the ride, they kept theirs on. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's my fault for my mask being too loose. But in any case, um, yeah, you are intended to wear your mask throughout the duration of your theme park stay with the exception of obviously eating. So eating and drinking, um, if you buy something on the counter service on the street, you, you can pull it down to drink. Uh, if you're sitting in a restaurant, that's probably the ideal time to take a break is take your mask off with your family, wait for your meal. And that's another thing is ordering food at counter service is a different situation. Mm-hmm. Originally, in a traditional theme park counter service, you go up to a register, you pay for it. Um, and then you go up to a different window and pick up your meal and go sit down. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you, well, the capacity for the restaurant is smaller. So you're in a line just to wait for the capacity to accept you. Then they seat you directly at a table mm-hmm. from that table. You are requested to order from your mobile app. Okay. And then they deliver to your table that way. So okay. it, it, it reduces the exposure of a register clerk. From getting right, you know, thousands of people in a given day, uh, and so that's why that. But it delays the process significantly. So I would say master your ability to order on your uh, mobile app before you dine at one of these theme park restaurants. So that was my experience for the most part at Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios. Um, but like, <laughs> there's a um, one thing to note is that. The train, the Hogwarts Express, mm-hmm. that takes you from one park to the other. Yeah, I love that. It's cool. And that was ha- my preferred mo- method of transportation. Sure. So right before they close the door of the car that you're, you're you know, I was alone. Mm-hmm. The, the attendant said, please keep your mask on the entire time. Click. And I was like, oh, man, because I was like, that's a perfect opportunity. There's literally no one in that space with me. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, keep your mask on. And me being an employee, I'm not going to break the rules because there could be a camera in the in the car and whatever but it just seemed like that would be the perfect time it's air conditioned i'm mm-hmm. a completely alone let's get some fresh air no so i was already suffering from the effects of a different harry potter ride which is the forbidden voyage of harry potter okay and is it, that the one in the car that's like spider-man the, kind of uh it is it is in the hogwarts castle Oh, I don't know that Where one. there are spiders. They do have the, the giant spiders that are... Um, no, there was a ride like the Spider-Man at IOA where you're in a car and then you go down and you fall. It was a really good, cool ride. I there's a tra- Well, the Transformers ride is, is the uh, the same track as the, the Spider-Man the ride. The Transformers is the same, but I thought... Oh, maybe I'm... Yeah, maybe I'm mixing it up. Okay. But this... I mean, you are in a vehicle that 
flips upside down, sideways, and this and, and like that. falls at one point. Yeah, okay, you're basically watching screens and going through different. Yeah, 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 that's a fun ride. Yeah, well, the problem with it is it because it's twisting and turning you. You need fresh air to to reduce your motion sickness, mm, and it has an air vent blowing in your face for that same purpose. Okay, similar to Epcot's uh, Mission Space. Okay. You're getting air blown in your face to reduce motion sickness. Well, if you're wearing a mask the entire time, you don't get that benefit. So after I rode the Harry Potter's Forbidden Journey, I was motion sick and I was kind of done for the day. So Mm -hmm. when I was sitting in the Hogwarts Express thinking I'd get a break, I didn't get that break. I that was the last thing I rode for the day. I walked through Universal Studios briefly, looked at a couple things. I had pretty much ridden everything there in my past. So Mm -hmm. I had no reason to stay, so after a two-hour stay, we were I went wound up going home. So that was that was my experience on my Universal theme park day. Well, at least you got the experience the Hagrid's ride that's normally longer. That's yes, cool. that was it was worth it. Totally worth right. that whole rigmarole of doing Hagrid with with little to no wait. The next day, I did Volcano Bay. Okay, now, that was a different story mm-hmm. because. You can't expect people to wear masks while you're in water. Right. CDC says there's no evidence that it is spread through water. Mm-hmm. Every piece of water there is chlorinated. And on top of everything, there are no real air-conditioned indoor environments other than the shuttle bus ride from the garage to Volcano Bay. Mm-hmm. So the only time you're required to wear a mask is you get out of your car in the garage, you get your temperature checked, masks on, you go on the shuttle bus, mask on, you get to the uh, turnstiles. Once you cross into the turnstiles and you're walking amongst the general corridors of the water park, pretty much no one's wearing masks. Oh, okay. So you're outdoors, you can somewhat socially distance from people, and you don't have to wear a mask for the most part. The only time you're required to wear a mask is when you're in the restaurant same situation as before. Before you order. You're sitting down, right, while you're waiting to be sat, you or have to wear a mask. Yeah. When you sit in the table, you're fine. But I was waiting for 45 minutes just to get a seat. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a long wait just to be seated. Okay. Um, another thing is they also social distance for a certain distance on most of the water slides with the tape on the ground. Okay. However, the Krakatau Aqua Coaster only had it sectioned off for about half of it because they only expected that amount of people to be waiting mm-hmm. well the other half they just kept putting people in i was in a crowd of a f- couple hundred people and no one was social distancing because there was nothing marked on the ground mm. so after 15 minutes of that i was like why would they not ask for reservations on this because you're supposed to get reservations from your little wrist tapu tapu thing that they have in volcano bay they weren't doing that for anything. It said walk right on for the Krakatau Aqua Coaster. So I didn't understand what was going on. So after 15 minutes, I was like, this is ridiculous. And I'm getting a little concerned about my health. So I'll step out of the line. I told them. They're like, oh, okay, we'll tell our management. But like, they just seemed dumbfounded like, oh, this is a problem. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, other than that, no problems. Uh, social distancing was not an issue for the most part. Okay. Um, all the other water slides really didn't have that long a line. And if you encountered other people, you were standing on pieces of tape separating you. So that was no problem. 
And so that was can, my overall universal experience. You can freely move about the park your entire day pretty much without a mask. Well, yeah. What are you supposed to do with your mask? Like, I mean, you're getting wet on rides. Like, where do you put your mask? So you can put your mask basically where you put your cell phone. And oh, you, okay. you can rent lockers or if you rent a cabana, which is a covered seating area, that also you can put your stuff okay. in as well. Right. However, I didn't do any of that. Um, I, I kind of had to trust my fellow employees that they weren't going to steal my stuff. Mm -hmm. So what I wound up doing was before you go on any slide, they have net shelving to put your flip flops. Mm -hmm. So it, within that stuff, I just put my mask as well as my cell phone, my wallet, all that stuff. Um, I, I got caught in a torrential downpour from a storm that passed through. And so most of my stuff got wet from that. Mm hmm. Um, but I was drying off in one of their merchandise shops and an employee offered a see-through shopping bag for me to store my stuff. Oh, so cool. that was nice. I had okay. a plastic bag for the rest of the day mm -hmm. and that kept my stuff relatively dry, uh, for the rest of the day. So and that they keep the park well. open in the rain. I mean, it's only, they do not shut the lighting. park down. Right. They, they don't shut the park down during the rain. However, if there is a lightning within let's say a 10 mile radius mm -hmm. then they will shut down all of the slides you can't ride any of the slides okay if if the park uh is on in, in what we call a a white a code white or code red <laughs> or okay. si and then silver is if it's 20 25 miles away but you should be fine with that okay i like the terminal um but that i know is on the other side of portraying vol the character inside of the volcano mm -hmm. where we have to shut down uh water jets and and lighting because of lightning to to keep people from getting electrocuted supposedly via the water jets but i i think they're probably okay yeah i'm sure it's probably pretty <laughs> unlikely right so well good good mm -hmm. i'm glad the update there um you know i was curious how the parks have been responding because disney's not going to be opening for another couple of weeks so um you know i guess they wanted to Universal to be the guinea pig on that, and then yeah. they'll uh, they'll they'll take whatever is good about it and mm -hmm. do it, and whatever's negative they'll not do, and and uh, that was probably smart on Disney to let someone else be a local guinea pig. I know SeaWorld's opening too, I think today. So, mm. um, I heard. Yeah, so no, it's limited hours. It's sometime in June, so I guess it could be today. Yeah, no, it is today. I nice. Definitely, I heard. I heard on the on the radio today. Okay. So. Uh, moving on to some Transformers stuff. Um, I just want to note I was talking about my son Ben. He uh, was obsessed with the Transformers. He's turning five next week, a uh, week from today, actually. All right. So he um, loves all the Transformers. He has a bunch of robots and everything, and Autobots and Decepticons. And he had them all set up in a in a room. And um, I was walking by, and I said, "Are are they all having a meeting?" And he said to me, no, Daddy, today is Megatron's wedding to Shockwave and all the Decepticons are there. And I said, oh, interesting. Are the Autobots not invited? And he said, no, they're at their headquarters and they're all going to make one big robot and stomp on the Decepticons. And I said, wow, that sounds like a really bad wedding day. And he said, yeah, for the Decepticons. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it just it's so cute talking to kids about, you know, mm -hmm. their imagination and the things that he... He does. My wife even noted how, you know, how Ben loves Transformers and just his imagination and and stuff goes crazy with that. And it's so nice to see just, you know, I know you share a lot of that with your daughter, Jane, for, oh, yeah. for many years because she's older. So uh, about sharing the Transformers on to the younger generation. So it's, you know, it's really cool to see. Mm -hmm. It's really cool to see that. Um, I would watch uh, 
after everything that happened in Minneapolis with George Floyd and the protests and everything, I, I took it upon myself to watch uh, rewatch Return of Optimus Prime because I remembered that the Return of Optimus Prime two part episode at the end of season three focused on what they called like a hate plague. Mm-hmm. It was some sort of spores from a sun that went nova, got all over the spaceship when they were rescuing Optimus Prime, and then. They infected some lab rats, and then it was highly contagious just by touch. It infected transformers. It infected humans, and every soon everybody in the whole world was infected uh, with this hate plague. And um, you know, it was just it was interesting. I guess uh, they bring Optimus back, and he finds some sort of uh, metallic chemical to spray himself with, so he could actually fight Rudimus Prime. Uh, without getting infected so that he can get the Matrix back from him to go and use the wisdom of the Matrix to try to figure out um, how to defeat the virus. And he goes into the Matrix and basically has to reopen the Matrix and use the wisdom of the ancestors to go ahead and and solve and cure the virus. And I just I thought it was very interesting in today's society that, you know, wisdom was the answer to cure the hate virus, you know, right. like education, wisdom, um, something, you know, from a cartoon that was developed in what, like 1987, mm-hmm. um, 86, 87. Yeah. And, you know, we can apply it 35 years later to what's going on now. It just, mm-hmm. just was interesting. So, yeah. So in the context of the transformers, you have, you're, you're fighting ignorance, right? We're, we're talking mm-hmm. about racism related, uh, crimes, you know, that is, that is ignorance based, um, and uh, in the Transformers, where you're fighting it with wisdom, it's 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 a fascinating uh, way to combat that. How to how to combat mass anger uh, using wisdom. I found another parallel mm-hmm. um, because just a few days ago, I was just feeling overall negative. Um, it was I think it was like ten thirty in the morning, and my wife was was feeling like we need to. We need to do a family clean, and we've done this for a while now where we'll schedule times when we're all clean as a family, but at 10.30, I just wasn't feeling it, and uh, I was reluctantly doing a lot of cleaning, and then my mind just started spiraling into a very negative space where I was thinking about negative encounters with people at work, people out in public, um, just feeling like I wanted to get away from my family, Mm -hmm. and you know, having not worked for three months... I was just getting a little irritated. Um, sure. And, you know, couple that with things you see on social media, people attacking each other, p- things you see on the news, uh, people, you know, George Floyd is an unfortunate victim of intolerance and, and hate and just it's despicable. Um, but like it really felt like. Anything coming my way was going to be met with a negative thought on my part. And it reminded me of the plot to Ghostbusters 2, where the whole city of New York is susceptible to this negative spiritual energy flowing underneath their feet Mm -hmm. in this ectoplasm, this slime that is all negatively charged. And the solution there in the movie was they needed um, a, a symbol like the Statue of Liberty. Right. And they needed music, which was this uh, Motown song, uh, Your Love is Lifting Me Higher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the theme of that song is it's, it's Your Love is Lifting Me Up. And that's another answer to this problem is 
we need to explore uh, love and forgiveness and compassion, even for people that we disagree with. We literally are yeah, diametrically absolutely. opposed to. We need to let them have their word. Don't argue. Just let it slide. Mm-hmm. More of us need to just let stuff slide and maybe even assume the best of where they're coming from rather than the worst. Because it's very easy to assume the worst about someone who disagrees with you. Yes. And when you're on social media, it just exponentially, it's like a virus. It's like it is that, like a virus. that thing that you saw on Transformers. It just spreads and spreads exponentially and it's scary. Yeah. Social media is a... Uh... It's it's weaponized a lot, mm-hmm. and it's it's you know it's a tough environment. People have to be very careful what they say, and they police themselves, and people just don't. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why we have all these restrictions is because you know agencies don't trust people to go ahead and police themselves and mm-hmm. act like citizens and adults and just look for the better things. So you know we have to do things like that, and that's evident in social media. You know, social media is some ways is good to keep in touch with family members and friends and stuff like that. But in a lot of ways, there's a lot of negative impact on it and things that are misconstrued. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of negative energy spit on there on some sort of random news story. Mm -hmm. And you got, you know, a a Karen in West Virginia with a, what is it? A Kyle in, in New Jersey Mm -hmm. fighting with each other that don't even know each other. Like why, why waste your time? Like you don't know this. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Like it just, it's, you know, you get all frustrated and people get all up up in arms about it. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, there definitely needs to be a lot more putting the phone down and breathing the fresh air and just, you know, just, just getting out there and learning to love and trust people and, mm-hmm. and a lot less of this hate. But yeah, the Ghostbusters is a great analogy because, I mean, they win at the end. They, they, they make some good slime or something. Right. And they infect, they infect, for lack of a better word, everybody <laughs> with the good slime. Right. And everybody's like hugging each other and, Loving on each other at the end, and that that was the way they beat Vigo. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was cool. Yeah, and the, this whole thing with the isolation and not going to work and all this stuff—it's—it's—it's it's, it's the the pump has been primed. You know, like this is our way that most people have been interacting with each other that we haven't been connecting with is via social media, right? Whereas you know you could have an alternative. You might see this person at work or at a party or whatever. And now that's not an option for a lot of people. So it's, it's It's tough. Yeah. It it, people, they need to exercise restraint, uh, self-control and, you know, maybe not say the first thing that comes to mind and maybe not say anything at all in many cases. Yes. I I definitely agree. Well, speaking of the pump being primed, with us today, I brought us an Optimus Prime. All right. So, I know, weak transition, dad joke, ha <laughs> um, My wife had found this that was like a special edition uh, a couple of Christmases ago that they were releasing, I think, in Japan, and it was an Optimus Prime toy that came with an actual reissue, legitimate Casio G-Shock watch. Um, and I, I love the watch. I needed one from work. I need to have like a durable watch for work. And it was really cool, and I always loved the G-Shocks because they were durable. And I took the watch out of the packaging, and I wore it in the first day, and then the toy has been sitting in the box all this time. But <laughs> I thought today would be a good day to go ahead and discuss it. The toy itself has a display that's attached to it where you can mount the watch on it, and the watch actually transforms. Uh, well, the watch doesn't transform, but it, it fits into where Optimus Prime's chest would be. So the transformation 
is that Optimus Prime goes from robot into basically a watch pedestal mm-hmm. and back. And then when he's in robot form, you can actually take the watch uh, piece out where the watch would go and you could put the Matrix in. And it comes with a very cool, pretty good, like, one one inch by one and a half inch uh, Matrix, which is really cool. It is, um, yeah, it's it's like the Autobot Matrix of Leadership in G-Shock shape. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. So, okay. like, the, the outer rim here kind of has the same outer rim as a G-Shock uh face so to speak or the the yeah the rim and um and it's uh no it looks cool it is it is a a nice marriage of the matrix and uh, g-shock design yes and he also comes with two two uh weapons which is cool this toy see if there was an actual it's just called g-shock transformers i mean this is a japanese thing so it says master optimus prime um Resonant mode with G-Shock is what it's called, and I know it retail for a couple hundred dollars. I'm sure you may be, be able to find one online. Um, it has a 35th anniversary uh, logo on it. It looks like it's made by Tomy. Um, in robot form, it looks pretty cool. Um, it doesn't look specifically like a G1 Optimus. It's um, certainly inspired. It's certainly inspired by it, but his his face is more G one ish. Mm-hmm. But it's still a pretty cool look. I do like the look. He looks definitely more G one than you know Bay movie Transformer. Right. True. Um, and then you know He's very Cybertronian. Cybertronian. As well. Yeah. And then he transforms into the uh, the pedestal to make a watch display. Now I was very excited. I took the instructions out. I wanted to see how easy or hard it would be. If it would be fun to transform. And unfortunately, I do not speak Japanese because the instructions are completely in Japanese. <laughs> mm-hmm. They took the liberty to go ahead and give us uh, essential information like tech specs and the history of Optimus Prime, that he's a great leader and a hero on Cybertron in English, stuff that I kind of already knew. But that could have been in Japanese, and I'd rather the instructions in English. But thankfully, one of our good friends, YouTube, does have instructions online, so later today I'll... Go ahead and uh, take him out and uh, see if I can transform him and see how easy or hard that is. But um, I do like the quality of the toy and how it's made. I love the watch. I've worn the watch every single day that I work. I work as a firefighter paramedic, so I work every third day. I got this as a Christmas present in 2017. I want to, no, I'm sorry, 2018. So for all of 2019 and for half of 2020, um, I've worn it every shift that I've worked and used it. The stopwatch function is, you know, key when I need to use it at work. And um, it's really nice. It also has a background light like most of the G-Shocks do, but there's a separate button on the front. And when you light it up and it's dark, there's a Autobot symbol in the back, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So um, if you can get your hands on it and you want to spend... The money, um, I do think it's a very nice desk piece. If you had a desk or something to display it in or some sort of display piece to do. And then you could also take it with you and wear the watch. The watch has a red face and a blue band, which is, you know, very Optimus Prime colorful. Um, so, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's cool. Um, I think you kind of said it all there. Um, but, yeah, it's it's uh, it's nice to have... 
a, uh, a Transformers-themed watch. I remember growing up, there were a couple of Transformers watches out there. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, one of the ones I had was a little blue sports car, and it transformed oh, okay. into a robot, and you could put it on your wrist as a robot or... Oh, that's really cool. Or a car. I haven't seen that one. And uh, yeah, it's funny. They didn't really advertise it, but if you look up Transformers uh, Watch, there's a couple that come up. One is what I described, and another was the one, I think the Omni, with the Omnibots? Uh, yeah, it's the one with the uh, Autobot symbol, and you pushed a button and it opened up to give you the time. Yeah. 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 And actually, that one I remember. That And there, uh, there was another one, as a matter of fact. There was another one that was more of a robot and then it just didn't have a vehicle mode it just turned into a, a, a square to more properly fit on your wrist okay and that was um but it was another that was takara so it was takara designed that as well as the one that i had which was a little blue sports car and you could look them up online but uh, i really liked the sports car you'd like just to have a portable transformer that also functioned as a as a watch, and you would never lose it because it would go right on your wrist. Right, that's yeah, awesome. that was the coolest thing ever. And mm-hmm. I think I was probably around uh, Jane's age. I think it was, probably came out uh, around the time of Transformers the movie. Okay. Um, yeah, you have a toy with you at all times. That's yeah. Awesome. No, I liked it. That's very cool. But it's it's one of those easily forgotten Transformers because it was not in the cartoon, and they really didn't put it in the brochures. Right. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I. I had loaned you uh, going on some other sci-fi. I had loaned you um, V, V, the, the, the final, final battle. battle, and I'm only partway through it. Okay, how um, much you got in? I've been introduced three, three to parts. Yes, I've been. Maybe I'm partway through the second part. Okay, uh, I've been introduced to Michael Ironside's character, mm-hmm. um, and they they did. Oh, they did the. Well, I guess at the end of the first part was when they revealed the the identity, how they looked. Yes. George Costanza's boss yes. <laughs> was revealed on national Mr. TV. Mr. Wilhelm, yes. Yes. Um, was that the first part? That was the first part, okay, yes. So I, I remember that hospital, vividly. Yeah. Right. And so in the second part, they have the, the, the blonde female leader of the resistance in, capti- in, in captivity, and the aliens have her, and they've been torturing her via mind messing and stuff. Right. Right, and they get her back, and they attack the water station. Have you gotten that? Far? I haven't but, got that far. Okay. No. So, but yeah, they they've been delving into her memories and trying to to mess her up. Right. Okay. So good. So your your thoughts uh, on the difference specifically between V and V: The Final Battle? Because you know Kenneth Johnson um, only did the first part. He didn't do the second. Part. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he did the first part of V: The Final Battle. No, no, no. He, oh, just, he did just did V. v. He only did. He did v. not. He did okay. not write V the final battle. Yes, I can see uh, that the first part is definitely more grounded in social commentary. Right. And it's more grounded in our reality and and making parallels. Whereas V the final battle is more of a sci-fi adventure mm-hmm. uh, series. So it's just oh, okay. The aliens are here. How do we fight them? Yeah, more action driven. It's more action driven and and just you know it's it's. Each side is kind of mounting up against the other. But you do still have some parallels to uh, Nazism and and people, you know, spying on the Nazis. This woman is sleeping with one of the 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 V, the visitor youth. Yep. That we met in the first series. Mm -hmm. 
and she's just doing it to get information mm-hmm. and she is a scientist i think and so there's that jewish nazi parallel scientist and visitor going on in that as well um, but it's it's still a decent uh, series i still am enjoying it yeah yeah it's very good I'm, I'm curious to hear when you hear the end the end of it i mean it wraps up the story it, it is a little cheesy at the end they kind of you know, the end, how they defeat the aliens, obviously I'm not going to give it away, is mm-hmm. actually cool. But the very, very end, the last, you know, climax of the entire thing is a little weak. Mm. It is what it is. I mean, I know they continued the series, but the series was unwatchable. I've tried twice, actually, to watch the series at different ages of my life, and mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it either time. Mm. It just was too campy, too off from from the miniseries, and... I was just good to leave the miniseries complete as it was mm-hmm. and and move on from there. But, uh, you know, I watched it with my wife, and she enjoyed it, and she's not a sci-fi fan at all. Right. So she she thought it was good. She especially liked the first two parts very much because it was a lot. The acting was great. The characters were, were very well developed and mm-hmm. everything. So. And Kevin Johnson, you mentioned this before, that he did Alienation. Kenneth in, Johnson, yeah. Kenneth, thank you. Kenneth Johnson. Kenneth Johnson did Alienation. Mm-hmm. in uh what was it the the late 80s 89 or early, 90 right yeah uh, yep the the series the, the series was the in? series not the movie just right. the series um so that was um interesting. he also did incredible hulk too don't forget that before he he did the whole run or just a portion of it no the whole thing was him really yeah the tv oh, wow. series okay from 78 to 82 he actually went right from hulk into v no kidding yeah oh wow okay so and then of course he developed the movies too he was part of that too remember they had the uh, Return of the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. Trial of Incredible the TV Hulk, movies, the TV yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. So he was busy doing those. Those were in the late '80s. Then he had Alienation. So he was wow. He was pretty busy from yeah. from basically '78 to like '92, mm-hmm. doing a lot of different stuff, which were all excellent, I think. And yeah, that's funny. And um, you know, I know I'm curious about that. You know, the book that he wrote, which was a sequel to V, at least his portion of V, right? V, the Second Generation that's out there. So yeah, that's I'd be interested in looking into that. Also. In, in considering he didn't do V the Final Battle or the V series, viewing Alienation as a potential sequel to the original series would be an interesting case study because they both involve a visiting race, quote unquote, incorporating mm-hmm. into like what if the the alien race from Alienation really were the saviors for the human race and they came in and, and chased off the visitors from well, I don't know if you ever watched Alienation. I saw. I I, 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 mean, the show I don't remember excellent. if I saw the movie. I may have saw, seen portions of the movie. I was watching the series, but I don't think I, I saw it in its completion. So they only had one season, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But then they actually made five, believe it or not, five TV movies. Really? Okay. Over the course of about five years, I think they did about one a year. And it was and the was, same actors? Same actors. Wow. And, and they just keep going on with the story. I okay. Mean, the, the, the series ended on a cliffhanger, and they actually had like a year break, and they wrapped up the cliffhanger in the oh, first TV movie. No kidding. Which was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and there's a lot of parallels to that in V. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the, the ship is a slave ship. Um, of their race, they right. crash land. They, there's nowhere to leave, so they have to get incorporated in our society. But you find out through the course of the show that the slave ship 
was very much like the Nazis and the Jews, like the regular people were slaves to them. You can do Nazis and Jews. You can do uh, any sort of oppressed people, slavery mm-hmm. in this country. It right. was kind of an allegory to like all sorts of stuff. And they had these people, and they actually called them overseers. Mm-hmm. And the overseers were actually it was very interesting. They were marked by a tattoo. They had a tattoo around their wrist, which was interesting because, you know, the Jews had tattoos when they were in the concentration camps mm-hmm. of their numbers. So this is reverse where the overseers had tattoos. So you knew that they were overseers and they were, you know, enslave them and treat them terribly on the ship. But then, you know, when they came to Earth, they looked like everyone else. So they were incorporated as regular people. But the Tanktonese, the aliens, they realized who the overseers were. And then the overseers tried to do everything they can to hide the little wrist thing because if they they know that the odds were even now mm-hmm. and a gang of tanktonese could gang up on them with the help of humans and you know do something bad to them so it was just an interesting little little role reversal especially when the main character it, it, it's a police drama mm-hmm. so it's a it's the first uh tanktonese uh detective in the los angeles police department partner with a human and so as he's a detective, he encounters a lot of overseers and you could see because his family was treated so horribly, you can see that his hatred and his personal vengeance conflicts with his ability to be a police officer. It's actually very interesting to watch it now mm-hmm. based on what happened with Floyd and what's going on with the police and the society. It yeah. wouldn't be a bad watch for the next thing that we can review because it's mm-hmm. been I have the whole series on DVD, but I haven't watched it in some time. But but it's very, very good show. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty compelling show and. uh that that concept was very interesting to have aliens, you know, not as invaders, but as um, people that we've incorporated into our society willingly. Right. Uh, that that was a fascinating concept. Which really, where else did you see that? You didn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess V was the, probably the closest thing you get to that, really. But they were still malevolent. These they were malevolent, were not- but initially. They were embraced, right. right? In the show, you you thought that they were friendly, and they tried to incorporate them into our society. Uh, right. They weren't, but uh, no the the fact that they were incorporating an alien race, and you still had to deal with different factions of uh, xenophobia mm-hmm. among society. Even though the governments are embracing the, this race of people, doesn't mean everyone's going to be along for the ride. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And there's a lot of uh, I know. They call them, um, a lot of people don't like them, so they call them slags, which right. is their like derogatory mm-hmm. term for them. And um, yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, I, I really enjoy Kenneth Johnson's stuff. It's, it's, it's very well done. He always, he always, uh, a lot of the stuff he's done I've really kind of vibed with. So it was pretty yeah. cool. So moving on to some Star Trek news. Um, not really news so much, but I just saw, I think it was a couple, couple days ago. Um, and I'm behind on everything, too. They're releasing show after show after show that's coming out. I mean, a lot of production has been delayed. I just read today that filming for Picard Season 2 is going to be starting uh, in September. And I know that mm. was put on the shelf for a bit because of COVID. But they just recently announced... Um, I haven't watched Discovery. Mm-hmm. I've heard good things. Mm-hmm. I did watch the first two episodes, and that was a kind of a tough watch, but I heard mm-hmm. it gets better. It does get better. Um, I heard especially season two gets much better. <clears throat> and then, so, I mean, I'll, I'll try to stick with it and see, but I, what I understand is in season three, they're, like, way in the future. Like in the year, like, 3100 or something like that. Yeah. So, what they've done, I guess, because I believe, like, in season two, they've introduced, like, Captain Pike and... Mm-hmm. Uh, number one and Spock and yep. all this stuff. 
So they're actually doing a spinoff. Yes. And it's called Strange New Worlds, which is a cool um, title because it's from the, you know, it's five-year mission mm-hmm. to explore Strange New Worlds. Right. So, and it's going to be, I guess, Pike's five-year mission on the Enterprise prior to Kirk coming on mm-hmm. and include Spock, include number one, mm-hmm. hopefully include some, some enemies that were... Uh, some characters that we're familiar with that mm-hmm. maybe we hahaven't seen since the '60s, which would be cool. Yep, they could do the Tholians and the Gorn and some mm-hmm. some other neat stuff that that next gen and stuff like that didn't didn't touch on. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, you know, I know they got a lower deck show, something like that going oh, wow. on. Um, that's that's coming out too. Um, I got I guess about um lower ranking lower officers. ranking officers. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, the Star Trek's kind of exploding right now, mm-hmm. um, which is cool, but I got to get on Discovery. I don't know. Your, your thoughts on Discovery? So Discovery, I found that I remember when it was out and uh, people were reviewing it on uh, Facebook and stuff. And for the most part, that first half of the first season, people were not giving it much of a chance or just not liking it up front. Right. And I eventually... Well, first of all, I was like, I don't want to have to pay to watch this show. That was that was my my take. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I can watch a show like um, Seth uh, McFarlane's show, yeah, The Orville, for free on Fox, which is excellent, and it's also excellent, absolutely. And um, and so like I I kind of thumbed my nose at Discovery until uh, uh, halfway through the season. I think CBS All Access was offering a full month for free with. A, a paid subscription or like whatever. Anyway, I was like, okay, I'll do this full month for free. So I started binge watching the first half of discovery. And what I found was that it is a very serialized show. It is not mm-hmm. half as episodic as really any other star Trek series that came before it. So I think that a lot of unanswered questions were happening up front and they were being answered as you watched the series. So okay. the the confusion and maybe lack of enjoyment that you or other people might have felt was as a result of having to wait a full week for that next episode to come out. Mm. And I think if you at least binge the first half of the first season, you start to realize, okay, I get the feel of this. These are chapters in a book, not individual stories. Mm. So I think it works better when you binge watch it uh, or at least a smaller break between episodes. Like maybe if you watched it daily, I think that works a little bit better. So maybe that's the fault because, you know, almost everything in television now is more serialized. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe the writers forgot their audience because we're used to episodic. We're used to 45 minutes tells one story. Mm. And that was a problem because you're going back in this mindset because we had, you know, 30 40 years of star trek episodes just like that mm-hmm. and we're expecting the same thing and it's not and it's a little hard to kind of switch our brain and the free preview was that first two episodes so people were watching it for free on broadcast cbs that first right. two episodes that you're talking that's about. that's what i saw it on yeah. and i think the problem with that is it's basically a preface to the story it's not even chapter one because you're not in right. your normal stasis of the show until the third episode right um, yeah, because uh, like the rankings have changed, people have been killed off. The ship that you're following in the first two episodes is destroyed. Like, and it was like years before. Yeah, or exactly. Right? It's so like a bunch of years later is episode three. Yeah, it's totally the preface to the story. So judging it by the first two episodes is not fair 
to the overall story. Yeah, that was kind of a, a silly move by them mm-hmm. because yeah. it was just like, all right, we have these first two episodes to get you hooked. Mm-hmm. But then the writers should have been like, well, I don't know if that's really going to work. Maybe they were just like, I wouldn't do that. But they're like, well, we're doing it. Yeah, and- I feel like the way it was written, it's kind of written to be like a seven hour movie, essentially. Right. And if it's going to be released weekly and especially released, you know, showing broadcasting the preface for free and not the the other episodes was an overall mistake. It just like it, it was it didn't meet what it was intended to be. I think the writers came at it at a different take as the people who were producing it. And on top of everything overseas, this is on Netflix. Like you can watch mm. Discovery on Netflix Whereas here, CBS All Access has full rights to right. it. So that's another thing. It's like, if you watched it on Netflix, it'd be a different case. And maybe you can explain to me, that that's never made any sense to me, just like Picard. So Picard came out, there was 10 episodes, and they released one every week. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I understand the point of that. If you're on broadcast television, you have advertisers, and you want the anticipation for now. But when you have a service that's streaming that I'm already paying for... Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of other things like Netflix, they drop the whole season, like, here's the drop date, boom, there it is. Watch mm-hmm. them at your leisure, watch them all in one sitting, watch them over 10 weeks, we don't care. Right. I don't understand the point of releasing them one per week at this point when there's no commercials in them, I'm already paying for your service. Well, if you pay the lower tier, you do get commercials. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I've I've used the, the lower tier of CBS All Access and there are commercials in the shows. But you can pay the, I guess you have the higher tier where it's just commercial free. There are no interruptions in the show. Yeah, well, I might, I might but have seen so, it. But even so, I think the point is simply, you know, oh my God, did you catch, you know, episode three of, of Picard or Discovery? Oh, and, so you just want to start discussion. Post it on social media right. and then hopefully get people up Buzzing into it, it later on. Right. It's, yeah, it's it, you can argue one way or the other, but... Like I'm saying, and Picard suffers from the same thing as Discovery, which is it's a serialized show. Right. So if you're just watching it week by week, I don't think you get to experience it in the way that it was intended. Because I actually waited until the majority of the season was done with Picard as well before I started watching it. Mm -hmm. And same reasoning. So I don't know if people watching it week to week had uh, complaints about it. Most people I talked to enjoyed it. But I've heard some other people that just completely disliked Picard as well online. Yeah, I, I watched, uh, I got into Picard about five episodes in. Mm-hmm. Um, watched like maybe two uh, episodes a week until I was caught up to regular time, which was about episode seven or eight mm-hmm. around the time Troy and Riker get introduced. Right. And then I waited the last week for that. But at that point, I already got the gist of the story where it was going. Mm-hmm. So, but. But yeah, it was it was too far off from Next Generation for me to. Right. I, I'm good with serialized story. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean the last four seasons of Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. with the exception of certain episodes here and there, have this overarching serial about it because you have the Dominion War. Right. So I mean, I I was I was fine with that back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm okay with a serialized story. Right. It's just. But even those stories, while you had an overall story arc going on in the background, you still had a resolution episodically. You had a beginning, middle, and end in each episode for the most part. Yeah, you did. Unless it was part, you know, a a multi-part, you know, episode. Right. But for for the the most part, part, yeah, you had a beginning, middle, end self-contained. Yes, you had an ongoing thing with the Dominion and stuff going on in the background, but... 
Right. It was still somewhat episodic. So speaking of Star Trek, I, I also, um, because of everything going on, I read this really awesome article on the internet. It was written by this female who, um, I guess she was an avid rock climber. Mm-hmm. And she was just talking about how she always climbed rocks since she was little. And one day she's on, on a rock and um, she had this irrational fear that whoever was holding the belay line, the safety line, was just going to let go, was going to unclip, and she was going to fall to her death. Mm-hmm. And she had this just huge panic, anxiety attack, and she couldn't get back on a mountain after mm-hmm. all these years. And she was such a professional climber. So she had to seek out therapy, go to a therapist, go through some hypnosis, go through all this stuff to try to figure out stuff and you know it's it's a problem that can occur to people i mean there was i remember there was a yankee baseball player it was chuck knobloch he was a second baseman he was an all-star second baseman and then one day he just couldn't throw the ball from second base to first base to get people out and he he threw a ball into the crowd he was throwing him into the crowd throwing him into the dugout and he threw in the crowd and broke this old woman's nose who actually happened to be keith olbermann's mom which is kind of funny but not funny that she broke her nose, but funny that it was coincidence. coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he had to, um, I think he ended up retiring, maybe not all because of that, but partially because of that and mm-hmm. so forth and went through therapies and everything. So mm-hmm. this woman that was writing the article was, was talking about uh, the episode of Star Trek Next Generation called Cause and Effect. Mm-hmm. And that was always one of our favorites. I remember um, basically the plot of the episode is like Groundhog Day. Yep. Uh, the ship blows up. And everybody dies, and then it resets to, like, a day earlier, and they go through this whole day, and at the end, the ship blows up. And it happens four or five times throughout the course of the episode, but all the characters have some quirky things that go on between them. And the reason this woman brought up this episode is that it's the relationship between the characters and between people that they're able to openly talk about their feelings and be like, you know, I had this weird thing happen to me. I was hearing voices. I was doing this. I was doing that. That they were so close uh, of a more of a family than as coworkers mm-hmm. that they all said, yeah, I had this too happen, and that they were all able to get together and figure out what's going on and find a solution to their problems so they can get out of this loop that they were stuck mm-hmm. in. So I just thought it was a really interesting article from like a mental health standpoint that she was saying that, you know, we need to take the time to listen to people, to talk to people, even if you're a coworker, because you never know what they might be going through with their family, right. with COVID, mm-hmm. with whatever that's going on. And just just really listen and be there for people mm-hmm. because it's a tough time for a lot of people out there. I, I know as a firefighter. Um, and I even brought this up the other day to, to my management that we're just running an obscene amount of anxiety calls mm-hmm. and it's all across the spectrum, any age and any level of anxiety for any reason. It's a person that's like, uh, I lost my job because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't stand all the stuff I'm seeing on the news because of COVID mm-hmm. and it's giving me anxiety. Um, you know, people that may work in like a health industry that's even busier now because of COVID and they can't handle that stress mm-hmm. or they can't handle the masks or they can't handle the temperatures or they can't handle whatever, you know, family life and, and manage everything. And it's, and there's so much of it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's literally like at least a couple of shift mm-hmm. you run an anxiety call and, and you know, they just want to get checked out and then you go there and you calm them down. But I mean, it's, it's rampant out there. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost worse than the virus, the amount of anxiety that I'm seeing. Oh, Actually imagine. it is. Yeah. I, I run more anxiety calls than I do virus calls. Oh, it's gotta sure. be. Um, it's, it's actually, it's way more contagious. Yes. <laughs> you know, you, if you're, yeah, if you're stuck at home, that's a source of anxiety. If you're right. glued to the news or social media, that's a source of anxiety. 
And uh, yeah, it's uh, you cannot isolate from anxiety. You right. Ha- it's something you have to deal with uh, internally and possibly through therapy as well. So, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely true. Like the, the story I said earlier when I came to that uh, Ghostbusters 2 conclusion about my own life, I shared it with our friend Jeremy mm-hmm. and and he's like, oh, yeah, that I understand. I understand what you're going through. Like he he hadn't we hadn't shared on that level mm-hmm. like what we were going through but I, I mentioned to him that uh, just the day before I'd had a, a church service where our our preach or our priest had said um, you know it, it's important to pray to connect to God and and establish what is godly and what is not godly what is the godly choice in how you react to things how you're thinking how you're feeling and what is not and just I, I just prayed to to distinguish that to, to draw a distinction between what mm-hmm. the right and wrong choices were, and he's like, "Thank you for sharing that because like I'm not able to share my faith openly with most people, and that's what he does as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you do need um, a group of, of friends that you can trust, not social media, but like just right. a handful of people that you share." Uh, common experiences with and you trust implicitly to share your emotions with and you know yes we might be physically isolated from most people that we love but you can pick up a phone you can facetime there are things right out there and one-on-one communication is essential Mm -hmm. rather than broadcasting your feelings to the hundreds of friends you have on social media have that one-on-one moment where Hey, is there anything you'd like to talk to me about? Here's a th- something that's going on in my life that I'd like to tell you about. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I think that might be a lost art, and yet it might be a salvation from some of the craziness that we're all feeling. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. I, I, I see a lot of this on social media, these friends of mine on Facebook that are just posting like, you know, there's this and there's that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, yeah, you, th- this is something that you need to talk to with your significant other or mm-hmm. a group of friends that you trust, your your inner circle. Yeah. Like not, not to the masses, not mm-hmm. to your 3,000 Facebook friends. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And so, I mean, you watched. You said you watched Cause and Effect. I did recently? watch Cause and Effect. Yeah, I watched it uh, this morning. Okay. Um, and uh, no, that was interesting because there was that question of you have two different starships going through the same thing. Yes. Um, you have the, the Enterprise you're following on Next Generation, but you also have uh, Captain. I'll say Kelsey Cap- Grammer. Captain Fraser. Captain Fraser's ship. <laughs> He's listening. Um, who uh, was stuck in this for much longer, like I guess eighty years or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't figure out how to get out of it, but via what you're explaining, the the close relationship of the Enterprise crew. And the technology of data. Data was able to sift through the voices on the Enterprise that were ghosts of the past of these previous <laughs> incarnations of, of what they went through. Um, but in any case, uh, they figured it out, you know, 80 years before Kelsey Grammer's crew did. And why is that? Probably because of that relationship they share. So that's that was interesting to to reflect on yeah it was cool to see it like that um not to cut you off yeah it mm-hmm. was cool to see see how the interpersonal communication you know how the how jordy goes into sick bay and he just kind of like really opens up to the doctor how mm-hmm. the doctor couldn't sleep and she hears the voices she you know calls picard goes into his office they share a, a cup of milk mm-hmm. you know i mean it's something that you would never see like on a military you never see like the chief medical officer and the captain sharing a 
spot of tea, mm. you know, in 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 a in a close quarter like that. But you know, they were able to do this and share, and they trust each other, and they have this relationship. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's so much more like a family, and that's really what made the show successful is yeah. the interpersonal relationship with the characters, and that's mm-hmm. why you know. Everything that we're seeing now from Star Trek really spawned off the popularity of Next Generation because mm-hmm. that was the return. Star right. Trek was dead for so many years, right? Oh yeah, in that in that time period. So, well, and even I mean, Next Generation kind of spawned from the movies and from the movies, right? And the movies introduced this concept, I think, where you know you have Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. They are a brotherhood. They are very close. Right. They have a great close relationship and those actors like it's impossible to recreate that because we've seen later incarnations of that same crew and it's just not the same. You don't have the years of episodes and then years on top of that of them being rerun and people seeing them over mm-hmm. and over again. It's like, yeah, there's, uh, you know, um, Leonard Nimoy and Shatner and that's awesome. Um, so you get that connection. I'll say this, you know, as much as people dislike Star Trek Five. I still love seeing those actors together. Oh yeah, as bad the, as that movie is, I'm the, like, this is so the campfire. Yeah, scenes awesome. I just love seeing them at the yeah. campfire, singing yeah. "Row Your Boat" and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. It's like you, you could argue that it's campy, but it's like, yeah, but it's uh, still campy. those. I like what you did. Yeah, there. It's fine. <laughs> nice, nice one. But it's still them all together. It's just uh, I love that aspect about it. Yeah, very. Oh, very one more cool. thing about the cause and effect episode. Mm-hmm. So they got Kelsey Grammer. To cameo on the episode, I guess he lobbied for it because he's such a big original series fan. Okay, yeah, I was wondering why he was there. They were hoping they could get his co-star Kirstie Alley on the episode to reprise her Star Trek II role as Savick. As Savick, because and that ship is from that era, right? And they were hoping, but what wound up happening was because the role was so small, they couldn't afford her salary. Just, just to get her out into the studio, so she wasn't able to do it. Oh. But they were hoping that he would maybe be that first officer you see over his shoulder in that scene on the bridge. And maybe have, like, just one little line or something like that. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been watching this uh, Snowpiercer show. Um, mm-hmm. I talked about that before. So I'm, like, three episodes in. Um, mm-hmm. Very different than the movie. Um... You know, but it's it's not a bad watch. Um, I want to see where it goes. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's some sci-fi elements to it. There's some interesting stuff. You know, just to refresh, you know, Snowpiercer, is, is, the world is an apocalypse. It's frozen over. And all the people in the world are on this 1,000 car train that's circling the earth. Mm-hmm. And the movie tells a complete story from beginning to end. The TV show... I'm not sure if it's the same continuity or not. It's I think it's different, but where the movie takes place 18 years after the apocalypse, the TV show is six years after the apocalypse. So it could be the same continuity, mm-hmm. and they're just leading up to that. You don't know yet. But, um, you know, the characters are, are good and compelling so far, and, you know, the main plot is there's a murder somewhere on the on the train, and they get one of the people from the lower class from the back. They call him Tailies, mm-hmm. the tail portion of the train, to who used to be a homicide detective in his real-world job, and he's trying to figure out the murder while also trying to help his other tail people out. So, you know, the division of social class structure is there, which mm-hmm. is not something you see often in a sci-fi. Sci-fi, you kind of just they throw out just sci-fi stuff and action, and it doesn't get very kind of political with that. Sometimes it does, mm-hmm. maybe, but... 
So um, I'm I'm sticking with it. I'm not bored by it yet. Um, I think I have another episode to watch, mm-hmm. but um, worthwhile to check out. Just okay. uh, I still haven't seen the movie, so I gotta check that. You out. You don't too. need to see the movie to start watching the TV show. Okay. There's no characters that are similar. And where's the TV show? It's on TNT. TNT. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't have cable either, so that that's a big. Uh, well, TNT has an app or something like that. I don't know. Okay. It's oh, free. Yeah. You can find uh, even stuff if you don't have a cable subscription. I could loan you my password. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> that'll, you can, that'll, solve that that'll solve that problem. That'll solve that problem. All right. Yeah, there you Breaking go. Breaking the law. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously with COVID, like sports has been out mm-hmm. for, for so long. So I saw this on ESPN the other day, and I think it's most one of the most hilarious, ridiculous things that I've ever seen in my life, and so I just had to share it. Um, the I'm not much of an NBA fan. I'm more of a hockey fan, and hockey and the NBA kind of pause around the same amount of games that they played, and then hockey said, okay, we're going to return to play, but we're going to end the season. We're going to start the playoffs. We're going to have you know this many teams. We're going to do it this way, and you're just like, all right, whatever. I just want hockey back to mm-hmm. So basketball is kind of doing something similar, but a little bit different and crazier and everything like that. And and I think they had a contract. They're actually here in Orlando. They're actually going to invite all the NBA teams to go over play at Disney mm-hmm. uh, without fans. And they're going to play on a court and so forth. They're going to play a couple of games and then they're going to do some sort of like modified playoffs. Okay. So for hockey, they're going to do the same thing. They just haven't picked the host city yet. And they're going to pick a host city so there's no travel and no exposure and all that. And mm-hmm. nobody even cared about what they call home ice advantage in hockey. But for basketball, I guess that was a big deal. Mm. But they can't have a home court because you're only in one place and there's right. not going to be any fans. So they proposed a list of ideas for home court. Mm-hmm. And they're the most ridiculous stuff you've ever heard in your life. Okay. So the first one was the higher-seeded team gets possession to start the ball, start the game in the second, third, and fourth quarters. Okay. I could see a little bit of an advantage there. You get an extra possession on the basketball. Cool. Yeah. The higher-seeded team goes from one player is allowed to have seven fouls because normally you have six fouls and you foul out of a game. So mm. one player having seven fouls. Okay, another interesting thing, and it has to do with the game, obviously. A higher-seeded team receives uh, one extra coach's challenge, and a coach's challenge is when if you disagree with a referee's call, they can look at the video. Okay, I could see that being an advantage. And this all of is these, basketball? This is basketball. Huh. And all of these are involved in the game itself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The last two. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is just the difference of not having home court. Not having home court. This okay. is where it's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, the higher-seeded team transports its actual hardwood home court to Orlando. Oh, get out. That's not even the worst one. Okay. How ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The dimensions of a basketball court are the same whether you're playing at your local playground or Mm -hmm. on the NBA, the height of the ring. What difference does the actual floor make? How ridiculous. I mean, what cost is going to be involved? That is the dumbest thing. I mean, a friend of mine even said, like, listen, if you're playing at Disney and there's a Mickey Mouse in the center, just digitally on TV, put their logo over it. Mm hmm. (laughs) And then TV will say, what? This the last one. Okay. Uh, the higher seated team gets hotel choice priority. Okay. Hotel choice priority. Mm-hmm. How is that a benefit to you? Mm. I think it would be more of a benefit if the higher seated team gets to choose the hotel for the other team. <laughs> right. You know, we could stay. You know, at the contemporary, but you got to stay at the Motel Six down the block, and sleep on the the springy bed with the with the smoky sheets and. 
<laughs> so you know this is just it's people trying to make excuses why this can't be done. It's like I, I yeah, hope so. well, we want our home court. Well, why do you need your home court? Yeah, but the the wood is just different. You can tell the wood. Okay, fine. We'll put this rule in. Yeah, but like we want to be able to have a better ho- You know, we want to sleep in our own beds. Okay, you can pick your hotel. Um, what about it's all it's this? It's a nonsense. lot of whining and complaining. Of, look, the foul thing and all that stuff. I'm surprised they even put that in there because that's dramatically affecting the game. Yeah, like it dramatically. The game, yeah, dude. So what? You're not in your home field. No one is. A right. And B, it, it's that big of an advantage to it, to travel not. versus not travel. If you're Come the on. better team, you should win the basketball game. And, and the better team does. The yeah. better team wins away games all the time, right. no matter what sport you're in. Exactly. You can't get through a season without playing an away game. Right. You know, it's always been the case. It's nonsense. Uh, yeah, it's it's compl- Now I understand hotel, well, well uh, look, like the basketball courts in many cases if you double as a hockey rink, of course you have to dismantle the court on a regular basis. Like the oh, floorboards yeah. dismantle. Sure. So those are transportable. I guess, you know, that's a somewhat easily rectified situation, but still, it's freaking wood. It's not going to change your difference? game. No, it's not. I, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's the most ludicrous thing I've ever mm-hmm. seen. You know, I couldn't imagine hockey saying the same thing that we want to transport our ice. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they played in Orlando. We want you to transport our ice to Orlando. <laughs> it's got to maintain what, frozen. What, what are you going to melt it down? Yeah. You're going to get you're going to get fire trucks to go ahead and put the water in their fire tanks and then put them it's it's ridiculous. I I just hope that you know, the fact that that wasn't even leaked to the public is mm-hmm. is laughable and it kind of makes a little joke of the nba that they would suggest something just so ludicrous just mm-hmm. people want normalcy that's fine mm-hmm. we understand the precautions just play the games put them on tv people would just be happy they so return. what are we solving here with the like all the nba games being played in orlando florida like what does that solve exactly i guess they want to limit i mean obviously limit travel limit the interaction with other people but i mean it's almost going to be like uh like if you were sequestered for like a major murder trial I mean, you got to go to the same hotel in the same room and you're around, you know, your team or, or one person or you're by yourself and you're however they want to do it. And that's for the duration of the season? That's for the duration of the playoffs, how long, however oh, long you're in. Oh, for the playoffs. Yeah. Not, oh, right, because we're Cause already. Because their season's kind of over. We're mostly through the season. Got yeah. It. Okay. So they're going to go kind of, I mean, they're going to play, I think, a couple of games just to get into shape and then they're okay. going to go ahead and start the season or start the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, whatever teams are in the playoffs. And however long the playoff series, because I don't think they've determined that yet. I mean, mm-hmm. you could be six, seven weeks just going back and forth between a hotel and the facility, away from your family, away from all this stuff. And right. so people are... And how many teams are involved in the playoffs? Well, there's 16 teams normally in the playoffs, but they've modified it. So I think there's there's 30 teams in the NBA, and they have 22 participating in this, and then they'll find a way to whittle them down to... And they would want 22 teams in Orlando? 22 teams in Orlando. Wow. Yeah. And then, hmm. but not all of them are here for the duration. Once you get eliminated, obviously well, you yeah. go home. Yeah. But, you know. But the, at the beginning, you've got 22 NBA teams, which is how many total with the backups and all that? I mean, what is there? There's about 12 people per team. Plus okay. you got coaches and assistant coaches yeah. and trainers and all that stuff. I don't know. 20, so 20 plus. 20 plus people mm-hmm. times 22. I mean, you're over 400 people. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, we are Orlando. We can handle that kind. Of oh yeah, we can absolutely <laughs> handle that. We got the hotel rooms. Um, I mean, soccer MLS is going to start here in Orlando too. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, um, DeSantis welcomed all the sports teams with open arms. Of course. So yeah, <laughs> we need tourist revenue. So we got NBA revenue. 
Yeah, I mean, just people can't attend the game, so I don't know how right. much revenue that is. But I mean, I guess it brings eyes to Orlando. Well, the the hotel rooms are going to get paid. Yeah, the hotel, you know, rooms, and those right. are going to be the highest level hotel rooms. Absolutely, they're going to be staying at. These are millionaires, billionaires. Well, depending whatever. on where they choose, you know, they get hotel choice preference. That's correct. <laughs> they want to save some money, maybe but they will go to the motel. Even place. if. <laughs> they'll leave the light on for you you know even if you're second choice you're still getting the best hotel rooms in in orlando right absolutely but yeah it's it's interesting huh yeah and it's kind of a shame that you have this the high pro these high profile events happening in orlando and you can't see them in person right yeah that is a shame too but you know a lot of these hotels i mean people are limiting their vacations because of airplane travel and all the mm-hmm. other stuff. So like let's say like I don't know what the nicest hotel in Orlando, but let's say you were staying at the Contemporary over by Disney cuz okay. they're going to play at Disney. Mm-hmm. So one team gets hotel choice preference. That the place has a million rooms. Oh yeah. So if the home team has hotel choice and we want to stay at the Contemporary, like, all right, we're going to stay at the Contemporary. And the second team could be like, hey, you got any rooms at the Contemporary? Sure, we got tons. Of course. Well, we're going to stay here, too. So then there's no advantage. No. You're both staying in the course. same place. Of course. Just, you picked first. Yeah. Maybe you got the the, the room with the, the, the view of the castle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's ludicrous. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, a, yeah, ridiculous. So, with, with the redu- I mean, the theme parks are reducing their capacity. So Magic Kingdom, if they're at half capacity or less... Yeah, you can have most of the hotel most rooms on property be be available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. It was a good jaunt. I hope uh, maybe next time we get together, uh, we're approaching the 30th anniversary of the premiere of the best Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Oh, yeah. So, so what date are we looking at? So... That aired, um, it was released on June 18th, okay. but it was released in our area on June 24th. Okay. So June 24th for us would be the 30th anniversary. All right. So that might be our next uh, our next podcast. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe. Tell your friends, iTunes, and other iTunes-related podcast apps. And uh, please, we'd love to hear from you next time. Check out our website, orlandopodcast.net. And uh, our Facebook page, Cluster Fudge, is also available there. So uh, go ahead and join our Facebook page on uh, Cluster Fudge Orlando. Bye.